Hello, welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 212, recorded live in Eugene, Oregon. Today's show is... This show is made possible in part by the support of the Herbal Nerd Society. Patrick? You can join the Herbal Nerd Society and be one of those great people that help us by going to thepracticalherbalist.com, clicking on the tab at the top that says Join the Herbal Nerd Society, fill out the little form and make a little payment, and you are set. And we thank you very much for your support. Well, there. Aromatherapy is the practice of using scent to heal a multitude of conditions. For herbalists, the scent of the plants, like the scent of a place, anchors deep healing. Today we're talking with Jessica Baker, licensed acupuncturist, herbalist, and author of Plant Songs, about aromatherapy formulation. Now here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierlupe. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe, and And welcome welcome to to Real Herbalism Radio. Welcome back, Jessica. Thanks for having me again, ladies, and Patrick. Ladies and Patrick. (laughs) No one's ever thanked me before. Really? No one's ever thanked you before? Nope. (laughs) I'm upset with everybody else on the show right now. (laughs) Well, they were probably thinking thankful thoughts. Okay. Yeah, whether they were or not. Yeah. <laughs> so you're you. Let's talk about aromatherapy. Now you're you. You have lots of things that you do with your with your practice. I, I think we should back up a little bit and tell people. Can you give a little introduction about yourself as a a practitioner, and then talk about some of the other artistic projects you do, so people have if they didn't if they missed your first show to see what you're doing at this uh, this stage in the game? So I am an acupuncturist and an herbalist, and I also work with tuning forks. We talked about acutonics a little bit in the last episode, and I also have videos on my YouTube channel that you can find um, if you just Google my name and put herbalist behind it. And then also I have a blog and a podcast called the Herb Walk Podcast. And what I, or the Herb Walk with Jessica Baker, I'm not sure what it shows up on Google, but I'm sure you can find it either way. And one thing we really didn't talk about last time was also, I'm an aromatherapist and I've been studying aromatherapy almost as long as I've been studying herbalism. You know, 20 plus years ago when you, at least with my teacher, Jane Bothwell, we learned aromatherapy along with herbalism. So when we would make salves, she would talk about lavender essential oil. And it was always like a couple of drops of this and that. It's not the same thing as I feel like aromatherapy or essential oils, how they're used more on a mainstream today. There was no separation. Aromatherapy and herbalism were like one thing. And you used aromatic plants. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as you would use, you know, a bitter herb, you were using aromatic herbs to promote change, just like you would any other herbal medicine. And then with Chinese medicine, aromatic plants are a huge part of Chinese medicine to elicit change, not only in the body, but also in the spirit. And so to me, aromatherapy is herbalism. And that's why I forget to even say I'm an aromatherapist, because to me, just being an herbalist, implies that in some way, although I have studied 
quote unquote aromatherapy and just a more chemistry aromatherapy way or, or working with specifically essential oils. But to me, it all falls under the guise of herbalism. Mm-hmm. Well, I know when I give somebody uh, a tincture or, or whatever it is, a topical in the clinic that I, I work in, the first thing they do is they open it up and they smell it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's that's the introduction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, honestly, I for me, they're kind of a lot the same too. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to admit that one of the reasons that I felt really strongly that I wanted to cover this topic with you is because as I was looking through plant songs, I was noticing how many scents there are in there. And the one that you have, the book is grouped into four sections and the adolescence section where you cover four different herbs, the scents of those herbs are just like powerful in my mind. Um, as I'm mm-hmm. looking at them, mm-hmm. honeysuckle, tea, tobacco, and cannabis. Mm. And they're just like, they're such sharp contrast to each other, mm-hmm. which is such what that's adolescence. I mean, that sums it up, right? <laughs> I mean, yes. And also adolescence is when you go through a, such a huge, huge period of profound change Excuse me. And that's what those aromatic, well, not just those aromatic, but all aromatic plants are about eliciting some pretty profound, big changes in your life, at least from my experience. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely are. A lot of them are. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, uh, honeysuckle, I think, is the one that people would think of as being the softest scent of those four. Uh, I would say, no. Well, you know, I I think I would say because people probably think that because the plant, the the flower is so delicate, right? Mm -hmm. Because you remember touching honeysuckle, and if you didn't do everything perfectly, it kind of just fell apart in your hand, right? Um, But on those hot, sticky, sweaty southern days, Mm -hmm. that was one of those smells like magnolia that permeated, right? To the point of being nauseating almost. Right, super sweet. If it was just too sweet or if it was on that verge of, you know, almost like dying. Uh-huh. So it would be, uh, you know, like, so you get that putridness. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, I would say tea would be the most subtle of those. The softest, In terms yeah. of like an of, of aromatherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's it elicits such hardiness in our head, right? Because tea plants are like hardy plants mm-hmm. and honeysuckle is so delicate although it's like this noxious weed that would cover the earth if it were allowed to mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, that's for sure yeah for me tea is one of the ones i have many many different teas all you know tea plant you know mm-hmm. but White oolongs and blacks and, yeah. and the one that in particular is one of my comfort teas is gen Cha, which is the green tea with the little brown toasted roasted brown rice, rice in it uh-huh and I can tell when I go to, when I've, I'm thinking I want that tea, you know, I want the comfort of that tea, but I open the tin and I always smell it first and it smells different on the days when it's actually the right tea for me. And then mm. there's a sharpness to it on the days where I'm like, no, I better not drink it. It won't be satisfying. It won't, I won't feel good afterwards. It will be bad. Mm. And it's the, the aroma is what tells me the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. And that used to be my favorite tea. And the last couple of years, I, I have like a, 
I probably have too much of it right now because I bought like a pound of it. And oh, then right. for some reason, I can't drink it right now. Oh, I don't know what it is, but it, but it is so nourishing. It is. And, yeah. But it, I think it can be overwhelming to the stomach, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of think that might be what it is. I'm not sure because hmm. I'm not really, I'm not an acupuncturist and I don't have, I'm not as good at, you know, Chinese medicinal theory, but that's what I've been lately thinking is that's the difference. When it has that sharpness, it makes my stomach upset. What if you add it to steamed rice or something like that? Pour tea and steamed rice? No, oh, like you make like, it as your broth base. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like add it as, because like, that's a lot of vitamin B and yeah. whatever. Yeah. And you could add some other thing. Well, She's looking probably, at me like I just uh, I just came out of crazy land yeah, or something. Just like leave me a postcard. How, it's gonna okay. like come blopping out of my teapot. That's gonna be weird. Yeah, <laughs> well, no. yeah some kind of to, so the rice would settle yeah. your stomach a bit. It's still good. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Okay, I don't know. I'll, I'll start shutting up anytime now. No, no, it's okay. Okay. No. Like, <laughs> oh well, what is that uh, something that when you're working with? clients do you have them smell different teas or different uh, aromas and see how they react to it first you know, I, I do that more on a subtle level sometimes I will just straight up especially if it's like a trauma client I will just ask them are there any smells or any taste or any herbs that we have to stay away from mm-hmm. you know there are just people who are like no lavender Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's that's really helpful information for me because then I can know that, okay, maybe it's this entire plant family that they don't like, or if they just say it's like a specific memory, it's like, okay, well, if I can't use, um, you know, lavender, well, maybe I can use rose. And they don't have the exact same qualities, but at least I get some floral medicine that's you know anti like will like calm down their anxiety and their nervous system without going for something that I know they don't like um, and then if they're not really like a trauma client and they're like I don't like this I'm like okay well I'm going to add a little of this because I think you, you actually need it but there's like a resistance to healing mm-hmm. um, with a trauma client resistance to healing you don't move past that you really go mm-hmm. at their pace but for somebody else, where it's like, no, I know we can move you on a little bit further. You're, we just need some. We just need to make you a little bit uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, like with that healing, we need a little. It can't all be, you know. I always say it can't all be sunshine and rainbows. It mm-hmm. has to be. You know, there's a little push that's given. So sometimes I will give them something that they're not, they don't particularly like, yeah. because I think that is going to elicit a change in them. Yeah, I've used that, especially with bitter herbs. You know, yeah. People don't like bitter herbs and mm-hmm. tea blends. And- You're just like, well, that's good to hear that opinion. Yeah. This is going to be a little little tricky as you use it, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I bet you it'll make you angry. <laughs> or uncomfortable or some other emotion. Emotion will happen. Well, yeah. that'll, that'll be something to think about. So what is the first thing that you're thinking of when you start thinking in terms of formulation for... Any specific, any any particular condition as you're working with, especially the uh, the aromatherapy piece of it. So I always still go back to the basics of Chinese medicine. 
Um, even though Western herbalism was my first love and my first knowledge of plants at this point, I always, I love the foundations of Chinese medicine. I think they just have such a sophisticated way of diagnosis and working with constitution that I, I go down my Chinese medicine list of, you know, what's their constitution? Do we need things that are cooling or heating? Um, you know, and then I'll work with the elements, you know, what season is it in or what is, what do I find is an element that is the most out of balance for them? Because we're all five, you know, all of us have all elements within us, but which one do we need to balance so we can support another one? Um, that's really how I work with all herbalism, including aromatherapy. And, um, and then I will try to make sure it's going to smell okay. But even again, mm-hmm. sometimes things that don't smell good are still what we need and it's medicine. Yeah. Um, but from an aromatherapy standpoint, I try to make it, you know, smell better than I would like a Chinese herbal tea that may just taste awful regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of them can be pretty, yeah. There's a reason why they invented tea pills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> True. But although I, I try to deter my clients from the pills, um, yeah. and it could just be my own bias because I'm not a pill taker, but I definitely am like, I try to encourage because in Chinese medicine, you know, we need to smell the herbs and taste yeah. the herbs because it's the taste that gives its therapeutic action. Yeah. And there's a certain amount of healing that happens just by making the tea yourself. Uh, yes, absolutely. Hmm. So that you but you get pretty good compliance with that. Is it do you think that the aromatherapy part of it you get more compliance than taking a tea internally? Um, you know, to be honest, I don't think so. Hmm. I I think that, you know, there's a there's 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 a couple things is you know, one people really like to take their medicine, to physically take their medicine, whether it's in a pill or a tea or a tincture, you know, I think that act of actually taking something people will be more compliant with than spritz yourself with this aromatherapy spray or put these drops into your diffuser because I don't, I don't give people internal essential oils to take. Mm-hmm. That's just not how I practice. Yep. And so, and I definitely really try to educate people against that if at all possible and be like, why don't you just drink the tea instead of thinking you need to drink the essential oil? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's more compliance because people think they're doing something more if they literally take it internally. Mm-hmm. Instead of breathing it in internally. Like, exactly. Because breathing it in internally, like it elicits change. And I think there's a portion of people who are going to be compliant with whatever you give them. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. there's that piece of like, okay, well, which one do I think is helping me more? I think taking it internally is helping me more. And then I'm like, okay, we're giving you tinctures then. Mm-hmm. And I'll still give you your aromatherapy roll on and you can use it as perfume mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. Yeah. Well, it could be that you, it's because there's so many things with a tea. It is, like you said, aromatherapy and it is the taste and, and the temperature and there's a whole bunch of different sensations going on. So it feels more immersive for the patient. Exactly. Yes. That's a great word. Do you find that there are any types of patients or clients that are going more likely to respond well to the aromatherapy as opposed to taking anything or making any dietary changes or so I'm thinking you know, 
I, I would think maybe either folks who are so set in their ways, they're just not going to change no matter what, but more likely people who have been through some type of trauma, they may be, especially if the trauma had to do with like, you know, like a PTSD kind of thing, they might be more likely to say, no, I'm, I'm afraid. I don't want to, I don't want to try taking things in, in that way. Yep. And that's what I was going to say is it was the, the clients I've had with the most trauma because they most, I'm going to say, especially because I worked with the VA. And so a lot of them were on medications with the VA. And just mm-hmm. to be clear, I worked through the VA only with pain clients. They had right. to have a diagnosis of pain to be treated through the VA. And that's but acupuncture, so many right? of them with acupuncture, yeah. but so many of them had PTS from other things, you know, mm-hmm. related. And so even though I was treating pain, it's not like we never talked about the trauma. That was always at least in the treatment somehow. And so most of them wouldn't take any herbs or couldn't take any herbs because financially they couldn't afford it. Or the VA was like, you know, just scared fear factor of not taking herbs with their, with their drugs that they took. And so with them, it was all aromatherapy. I mean, they may drink a cup of herbal tea when they walked in the door or Mm -hmm. after their session, but really their medicine was the, um, the incense I would burn or the diffuser I would have going in my office to just get them in a relaxed state before we did have the, the treatment. And so for them, definitely the aromatherapy was doing all sorts of medicine and magic that they weren't even aware of. I mean, some of them were because they'd walk in and they would be like, the smell of this place is like, I, this is home. I smell this and this yes. is relaxing. And I'm like, yes, that's what it's supposed to be doing. Um, and then also the people who are like meditators, mm-hmm. they responded amazingly well to the aromatherapy. It was like they didn't even need a treatment yeah. because they already are so used to going into those subtle spaces of energy that I think like the more you're open to subtle energy, the more the aromatherapy has a, a noticeable profound effect because there's a profound effect happening, but it's happening so subtly if you're not paying attention, you don't know it's happening. But the meditators and the yogi, you know, the, the true yogis, um, they, um, you know, they would be like, oh, you're burning this again today. Oh, or this is happening. They would immediately tap into the, the aromatherapy that was just being subtly displaced through, through the space. Yeah. I work in a free clinic. And so most of our people are well under the poverty line and there's a lot of, particularly women that have come in and they they want an essential oil or some kind of blend like a spritzer like you have um, to bring with them because the smell of the result of the poverty that they live in, um, whether that's a unhoused camp or, you know, what, whatever their situation is, it inspires so much despair with them that it's hard for them to heal. So they, the that population that asks for it, the bringing that smell of um, healing, the lavender or, you know, fill in the blank. Uh, some people like the mints, uh, that that is part of their step away from the um, place that was injuring them and continues to inspire them like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> and just smelling a different smell is definitely a part of their healing process. Absolutely. And it goes to the deepest part of our like cellular memory is that that aroma. 
Mm-hmm. And so when people are like, aromatherapy is like quackery, I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the way they're educating about essential oils is crack quackery, but aromatherapy is full on like the most, one of the oldest forms of medicine we've had as human beings mm-hmm. is aromatherapy. Yep. And it, yeah, and you're right. It has been poorly used, but the, the truth is that it is chemistry and it enters, it enters our, our bodies. So just because it goes through the nose doesn't mean that it's, <laughs> it doesn't help. So yeah. but we're learning, yeah. we're learning, well, slow I mean, clur- curve. <laughs> one of the things I found fascinating about cannabis, for instance, is that the smell of cannabis is somewhat irrelevant to the cannabinoids, the high, the nature of the high that you're going to get or not get, or, Mm. you know, the CBD and the THC elements, they don't have a scent that's volatile. Mm -hmm. So you talk to folks in our town who are very comfortable. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we've got a lot of cannabis around and people have all these opinions on, oh, the only good ones are the ones that smell like diesel or only the good ones are, you know, and they have all these opinions based on the smell and I'm just looking at them thinking, well, we could breed the same smell into pretty much any array of THC and CBD. Mm-hmm. That's what cannabis growers are doing to some extent. The scent is not connected with the same, you know, it's not the same. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And but then, they're I mean, not going to... Go ahead. I say I, I I hear that for sure, but like I think what the the big thing that a bunch of the cannabis people are missing right now is that it is the terpenes that they're smelling, and mm-hmm. as we know, right, terpenes have medicinal and therapeutic effects. So what they're saying is just the CBD and THC is actually the terpenes. So they are getting a medicinal effect or you know a therapeutic effect from the aroma, but they're not understanding the fact that like it's the terpene profile with the cannabinoid profile Mm -hmm. that elicits the effect that they're having. So they can like lie and say they have 30% THC and that's what people think is their feeling, but they're feeling all the cannabinoids we haven't even named yet because we haven't even discovered them. And then Mm -hmm this whole line of terpenes. So I would love to see these dispensaries and like the one that the dispensary that I will have, we're going to go by terpene profile and cannabinoids because just to say it's the THC and the CBD is just, that's not completely true. It's only part of the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think when you start looking at the difference between recreational use and medical use, or it, the intention, not necessarily whether you've got a card versus don't have a card, but the intention of use, you get people, the people that are all about recreational, they just care about THC. That's all they, they care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the ones who are medic, interested in medical, they're beginning, I think, to start. I mean, I think we can, they're, the education's beginning there. Mm-hmm. It is beginning there, but what really needs to happen is people need to actually train their bud tenders and don't just have some random person off the street who's like, oh, you want an indica or a sativa? It's like we have to elevate the conversation, especially in those medical spaces, maybe not in a recreational dispensary because that's not its place. Its place is just to sell something for recreation, Mm -hmm. but at least on the medical side, these bud tenders should actually be trained in 
terpene profiles and what the cannabinoids actually do and not just be like, oh, this is the highest one in THC. You should pick this one. Right. Yeah. And honestly, I think that the recreational ones should also be trained because there are an awful lot of folks, at least in our town, where recreational is the primary access. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. folks here who are using it medicinally. They go in to the the recreational place to get their cannabis because it's easier. They don't need a card. They, you know, there's right. not as much. Re- yeah. There's a lot of reasons that just make it easier. I think the recreational tenders should also be trained in that. I think it would be absolutely. Wise. Yeah, I agree, and and that is one of my biggest beefs. If I walk into a dispensary and they, I basically am like, you can't. I mean, I don't say it like this, but I'm like, you can't talk to me because. You don't want to hear what I have to say when you ask me if I want <laughs> I usually just say that doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm, it's right. basically what I say is that doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, nice. that that what you're calling sour diesel, you know, that's not really sour diesel. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. Well, that's the that the fun of of people learning chemistry is they'll they'll get uh, familiar with one particular chemical and get all excited about that. And uh, some, some of those, those times when you're first getting into it, you're like, well, that's the thing. That's, that's the one chemical. That's one of the many. Uh, yeah. And, and plants and no, are different. I'm excited that people actually care about yeah. plant constituent right now. It's like, oh, they actually care about a constituent. Sure. It's only one. It's a start. They care it's, about a it. it's a start. It's a you know, we're learning about these plants as well. And I, we have this thing called the Herbal Nerd Society, and one of the things that I have to, well, I've chosen to focus on is, uh, well, like this time we're talking about Balmagiliad, this the well, or last sorry, spring. last last yeah, spring, yeah, uh, in in April we're talking, were we, we were talking about Balmagiliad, and it's been, it was so hard to pick one chemical to focus on to introduce the. Uh, readers to because so many of the chemicals in the poplar tree are antimicrobial. So right. I'm just looking at which one. I don't even know which one. I have to yeah. pick one. And I'm not trying to say this is the only one that works. It's the prim- even the primary. This is just one of the myriad. The reason why this plant works so well is because it has a myriad. But yeah, there's, yeah. it's just a, a wealth of choices. And I run into that with plant after plant after plant. It's like, I'm just going to pick one because I don't want to overwhelm people. You know, if they can just learn one chemical at a time or, you know, one process at a time, that's, that's the way I learned. Right. But yeah, there's just so much to choose. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's definitely better to start simple, right? Because most people don't deal well with being overwhelmed with just facts and then they feel inadequate because Mm -hmm. they didn't know half of what you were talking about. Right. Right. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, well, I guess that's how you went through your your book, Plant Songs, is one plant at a time and uh, digging into that and then adding your story to it. And I suspect that's also what you're doing in your videos and your um, your blog and uh, podcast is just kind of spoon-sized helpings of uh, herbal healing for people. 
That's exactly right. Um, except for one thing I didn't mention about those videos is I do have three webinars for acupuncturists who need CEUs. Oh, nice. So those tend to be a little bit more geared towards practitioners because they already understand some of the language. Mm-hmm. Um, but each of those videos I've broken down on YouTube into like one minute to three minute chunks. So even if you don't want to like get all the information that's not relevant, you can just pick a three minute video on Rose. Oh, okay. Is that, I was going to ask you, yeah, I was going to ask you, is Rose one of your favorite aromatherapy essential oils? Um, It is one of my favorite, but you know, more than not, I'll use Rose geranium just because Rose is so expensive. Yes. Mm. Um, I, I've been using Rose a lot lately only because I got a lot of like samples, free samples of different roses. Ah, nice. <laughs> um, so it's been great because I've been able to be like, oh, this one has more of this quality. And I don't break it down by chemical constituents or anything in my mind, mm-hmm. but I just feel like the subtle differences of aroma for what I feel is necessary for either myself or that person in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been really fun, but I just, in, in my like day-to-day life, I'll pretty much use rose geranium because it's yeah. just more affordable. It is that's much smart. more affordable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I love rose. I will, you know, for me, aromatherapy of just smelling a fresh flower is as important as buying that or, or more important than having the essential oil. Cause then you have yeah. some connection to a living being in its full form as opposed to a concentrated product of a plant that you've, or, or, you know, thousands of plants that you've never seen. Right. Yeah. I think I have to say that one of the things I found personally most disappointing is when I'll see a, you know, like in the rose gardens, you're there, the scent of rose is strong. You see a beautiful rose, you go up to it. And this one happens to be one of the hybrids without scent. Right. It's so disappointing. (laughs) It is. And it's like, yes, you're beautiful, but there's more. And that's just, I I feel like that's the epitome of our shallow culture right now. Right. Like beautiful, but you get in there and you're like, oh, there's no substance to that. Yes, Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's a, there's a healing part of that. You know, there's healing and beauty, but yeah, there's a, it, complex. That's uh, I think that's a key to our conversation right yeah. now. So you were yeah. talking a little bit about your webinars. Uh, those are available on your website. People can yes, sign those up are those available there. on my website, and anyone can buy them. But they're really for acupuncturists who need CEUs. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. So how are people getting a hold of you then? You have websites. You have you have Facebook. You have. Yeah. Yes, I have uh, my website, bakerbotanica.com, mm-hmm. um, Facebook, I'm Jessica Baker LAC, and uh, Instagram, Baker underscore Botanica. Those are the best ways to, to find me and get in touch with me. Okay. All right. And where can they find plant songs? Plant songs you can find on my website, um, but you can also get it off of Amazon. And then you could be on Prime, so you can get it in two days, as opposed to if you ordered it from my website, it comes from Balboa Press, and it may take a week or two to get to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also a Kindle version. So if you have like the free unlimited Kindle, I think you can read my Kindle version for free, oh, which is kind of cool. Um, and one thing we didn't talk about last time either is I do have a five element essential oil line out that you can also get on Amazon. I like um, that. I like so that. Baker, 
if you just Google Baker Botanica essential oil or put it in the, the search bar on Amazon, Baker Botanica essential oils, um, you can buy all five or you can buy each one individually. Mm. Nice. So it sounds like people have lots of different options. Yeah. Well, thank you very, very much for being with us today and sharing your your wisdom on aromatherapy. And it's it's really been inspiring to have you. I, I appreciate you returning. And um, also, I, we're very grateful here uh, that you shared your book with us because it really touched both Candace and I. So we ask you, please do not let this book be the end of it. <laughs> Keep going. Thank you. Keep going. Yeah. Yep. Yes, it's definitely not the end. I will keep going. I really appreciate both um, you, Sue, and Candace for your support. Uh, that really means a lot. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Well, as always, put an herb on it. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA. They're not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.